here I am again in another horror film of my own making. Welcome to Tencent Takes, the show where we aren't afraid to spill iced coffee everywhere, one issue at a time. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Jessica's real mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> the ants are real happy with me, though. <laughs> my name is Mike Thompson, and I am joined by my co-host, the woman who is never afraid to make things weird, Jessica Frazier. Oh my god, you're so right, though. <laughs> Hello. It's like my job now, actually. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> I'm great. How are you? I'm doing okay. If you are new to our show, our main episodes drop every other week and provide in-depth looks into interesting moments in comic books and how they tie into pop culture and history. But today is one of our Dollar Bin Discovery mini-episodes, that we like to do in between those deep dives. We spend a lot of time rooting through dollar bins at local shops, looking for interesting stuff to talk about. And while a lot of the issues we find are fun and weird, they may not be enough for us to do a deep dive on. At the moment, we always reserve the right to change our mind and come back later on. Each of these episodes features both of us talking about one random issue that we came across in the dollar bins, one that fits into a theme that one of us chose. We talk about what it is, what goes on inside it, and why it's interesting. These are mini episodes that are meant to provide you with some weekly content between our more in-depth discussions about the weirder and more interesting moments of comic book history. And tonight's theme is black and white weirdness. So Jessica, what are you bringing to the table? So my notes aren't very long. I'm sure you noticed that, but I will <laughs> tell you why. And I will have more like commentary outside of what I wrote here. Oh yeah, I see that now. Because this was... When you say weird, like we are talking, this comic was so weird. Okay, I'm excited. Like it's like trying trying to put art into words weird. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, so we'll, we'll get into it. So today I have issue number one of Meef Comics. That's M-E-E-F Comics. <sighs> comics with an X, I might add. Okay. Which was copyrighted 1972 from the Overland Vegetable Stagecoach, of course. <laughs> okay. And is credited to F. Schreier and D. Sheridan. Is that so all we get for names? Like, do we this, get anything more? That's all we get. That's it. Yeah, weird. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so this comic included a few shorter comics along with a longer story all of which had to do with dreams and dreaming. So the main mm. plot line followed two characters as they followed dreamers through being picked up by the dream train to being dropped off at dream theater and seeing some of the shows being adapted into the dreamers brains. It was, mm. it was pretty clever for the most part, but it had all this weird side stuff where it was getting really like, 70s metaphysical and like you know what i mean like a i was gonna bit say like there was probably some hallucinogens consumed yeah. oh a hundred percent like i wish i were more stoned for it yeah but i was sitting in a starbucks so i couldn't be as stoned as i wanted to be Fair. you know what i'm saying uh or or what this comic really deserved if we're being real the characters also had their own 
trippy experiences along the way. So this comic, again, was it was in black and white, and it was certainly weird. So I really think it hit the mark with this comic. One of the shorter comics was about this kid who was scared of the dark and his brother like took a BB gun and like shot out the light. And he's like, what are you going to do now? I just shot out the light. And he like his, his whole bed picks up and like flies away. He's like, I'm out of here anyway. You're on your own. This whole bed like flies away. And he's like, you're just going to leave me here by myself. What if I have to get up to pee? What if something gets me? Right. So then all of the creatures of course come creeping out of the dark and he's having to try to fight them off and then it ends up being morning at some point so so it was kind of trippy little things like that throughout the comic Hmm. i really might have to go back and read this one again again maybe a little bit more under the influence to truly understand it or maybe i'm not meant to (laughs) I, i don't know it was pretty trippy it was definitely reeking, if you will, of stoner vibes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, th- this sounds like kind of like an anthology comic within a larger framing story. Yes. Okay. That's yes. really cool, though. It was like, interesting the way they did it. Yeah. Because they, I mean, truly, the anthologies were just two pages before the main storyline and then two pages afterwards. Right to do the shorter stories and then the main long form okay. was in the middle. So it was a really interesting way they, they built up this comic as well. That's really cool though. Like I like that. I think that's really yeah. interesting. They're also a part of the greater zap comics collective. Comics oh, okay. Again. There it we appears. go. <laughs> yeah, there it is. I knew snapping it in. There it yep. is. Okay. The comic has a lot of zaps throughout, which, should have been my i mean it was my first indication as well as a color ad for zap on the back nice there it is unlike other comics this one had content from front cover to inside of back cover like inside of front cover to inside of back cover there were no ads inside at all Mm -hmm. and even the first panel like it had all of the information about the, you know, publishing, et cetera, et cetera, in just a really small little jarble at the bottom so mm-hmm. that they could still have comics on that first page, which was such a cool, you know, me as a reader, it made me feel like I was getting more content, you know, because of this little fun psychological trick. It wasn't any longer than a normal comic, though. But right. me as a reader, I know they were anticipating it feel that way. And it did, you know. So. Overall, it was an interesting comic. The art was also super trippy. It had like a lot of stippling and Mm -hmm. lots of, you know, characters that weren't really people. They were like shaped like potatoes or, you know, like things like that. So it was, uh, yeah, it was think like Zap Comics meets Dolly's Dream like world vibe. Interesting. That's really cool, though. Yeah. Yeah. So check it out if you like these strange indie types of comics. Yeah. What about you? I am talking about Thunder Mace, all one word, but Mace is capitalized. Number one, published by RAK Graphics in March of 1986. This was illustrated by Robert A. Krause and Rick Sellers, inked by Robert A. Krause and written by Robert A. Krause and Steve Simhauser. So RAK Graphics is actually Krause's own imprint. And this was the first comic put out by that publisher. So there's actually a whole note on the inside cover from Robert Krause. And it's 
kind of sweet actually to read through it because he basically notes that this is the first issue of Thunder Mace and it's the first project from RAK Graphics. And then he says, to me, Thunder Mace represents a dream come true. From the first time I read a comic book, I've always wanted to produce my own featuring some of the characters I've created. I feel excited about this comic book. For inside, you will find some of the things I've actually wanted to see in a comic, like the fast-paced action, detailed artwork, and full-page panels. It's it's really cute. Like, you know, it's something where you're like, oh, this was made by someone who really had a dream to do this. And then it, yeah. he asks for feedback and gives it a mailing address, which I looked it up. It's a house in Akron, Ohio. So I think he was just asking people to, like, send him feedback, like, via the mail to his house. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. So Thunder Maze is a black and white indie comic book. You can actually tell it's an indie book as soon as you pick it up because it doesn't fit into a regular comic book bag. You have to get like a thick silver age bag and even then it barely fits. So Uh-oh. clearly they were like does putting this out. Box? It does. It's just it's a little bit okay. wider than normal. So that that's the thing. Okay. But yeah, it, you know, clearly when they were putting this out, they weren't like closely adhering to industry standard sizing. But this issue introduces us to Aro, the best and brightest warrior of a place called Windsor. He is climbing a mountain and makes it to the top where there is an ominous cave entrance. Inside the cave, there is a humanoid dragon named Komodo. And Aro says that he needs a fabled weapon from the dragon to turn back the demons laying siege to his home city. Komodo produces something called the Thunder Mace, and he tells the hero that it's his to take. But the weapon will test Aro and submit him to pain he's never felt before. If Aro fails the test, he'll die and all of humanity will follow soon after. So Aro basically is like, yeah, fuck it, I'm in. He is immediately engulfed in flames, but he doesn't give up. He goes into a dream state where he basically sees this vision of how the dragon race were in a war with the demons who are now attacking his home city. The demons caused the dragon spaceship to crash on Earth. It's it's kind of like a space fantasy vibe. Like, this is the best way I can describe it. Like, it's not like, nice. you know, hard sci-fi or anything like that. Yeah. And then at this point, Aro awakens from his dream to see that Komodo is now dead at his feet. But Aro himself has become something more than he was. He's now a mystical warrior known as Thunder Mace. He basically is kind of like a superhero version of a D&D character is what it looks like. Like, you know, he's got like a cape. He's got like extra bits sticking off of his armor. He's got this really epic looking helmet. It's cool. Yes. So he returns to Windsor, which is a city. He finds that it has basically been destroyed. A dying knight tells him that when Aros left and didn't return from his quest, his fiance, I think it's not really spelled out, named Miranda, who was also a great warrior, held the demons at bay for as long as she could. The warrior implies she died, but the way it's worded, my guess is that she's going to come back later on. And then... Nope. From there, we see Aro tracking the demon race. He follows their wake of destruction. He makes it to this massive fortress of the, the demon lord Kula. He fights and defeats a lava monster guarding the building. And then he works his way through the fortress, just basically tearing through hordes of demons. And then he makes his way to Kula's throne room, where the demon is sitting on a throne of skulls, which chef's kiss. Love it. Of course he is. Yeah. And then... Aro and Kula square off with Aro declaring that Kula will die this day. And that's it to be continued. But after that, we also get a little short comic starring Chakin, the forever man, who, if you are a classic video game fan, that is a name that may sound familiar. He actually was a comic character who then 
got his own video game and it's kind of well known for being a really difficult game that a lot of hardcore gamers really like. Um, but basically Chalkin shows up and fights and kills Dracula. The end. So Ooh, nice. Yeah. But you know, like I said, you know, this is apparently the comic where it features the first appearance of Chalkin, at least according to Krauss's eBay shop, where he sells a bunch of stuff that he put out under the RAK graphics imprint. So kind of interesting. Nice. But what yeah. really makes this book interesting is the fact that the writing is basically presented as long form prose. So it's narrating the scenes that we get. So there's like a lot of oh. it's really interesting. And but what they do yeah. is it's like there's a lot of full page panels with like huge paragraphs telling us what's going on or like the scene where he's learning what happened to his city. It's actually it's like a two page spread, but each page has its own illustrations. And what it is, is it's the illustrations are framed around the paragraph. So it's almost like the illuminated borders that you would see in old like medieval manuscripts. Yeah. It's really oh, wow. cool. That's interesting. Yeah. It, it's more of a, an illustrated novel than it is a comic. But like, you know, but at the same time, it's That's also funny. got comic panels and stuff like that. But it's good. It reminds me a lot of like a classic pulp fantasy story from like the twenties or thirties, the way that it's narrated. I found myself kind of thinking of the way that Robert E. Howard would write Conan stories or Fritz Lieber would write Fawford and the gray mouser. Right. Yeah. And, and honestly the art is really solid. Like it's way better than a lot of the black and white comics that were coming out during this time. And so now I want to track down the other issues in the series, but yeah, yeah, you should. that's cool. Yeah. So, that is our episode for this week. We are actually going to be back next week with another Dollar Bin Discovery because our next full-length episode, we are timing it to coincide with a very specific days that are going to be hitting the week after. So the order of our episodes is changing a little bit. It's not a big deal. Don't freak out when you hear another Dollar Bin Discovery next week. But anyway. You've missed nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, until then, stay safe out there, and we will see you in the stacks. Thanks for listening to Tencent Takes. Accessibility is important to us, so text transcriptions of each of our published episodes can be found on our website. This episode was hosted by Jessica Frazier and Mike Thompson, written by Mike Thompson and edited by Jessica Frazier. Our intro theme was written and performed by Jared Emerson Johnson of Bay Area Sound. Our credits and transition music is Pursuit of Life by Evan McDonald and was purchased with a standard license from Premium Beat. Our banner graphics were designed by Sarah Frank, who you can find at lookmomdraws.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, ask us questions, or tell us about how we got something wrong, please head over to tencenttakes.com or shoot an email to tencenttakes at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter, or now. The official podcast account is tencenttakes, all one word. Jessica is Jessica Witha, and Jessica spelled with a K, and Mike is Van Sau, V-A-N-S-A-U. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, Blue Sky, and Hive. A full list of our socials will be listed in the show notes. If you'd like to support us, be sure to download, rate, and review wherever you listen. Stay safe out there. And support your local comic shop. 